Thank you very much. Yeah, while they're taking that up, I just wanted to mention um, Monday night prayer is on this week. Uh, so tomorrow night at 7.30 at the church, we are still having our monthly prayer meeting. Understanding it's a long weekend. Had two in a row, surely we've all had enough rest. Um, so yeah, just come along and pray. I, I really think it's important. It's one of the things that I think I do struggle with, to be honest, like I would struggle as a, as a pastor the connection that we seem to have in group prayer. Now, I understand we, we pray in our connect groups and all that sort of stuff, but, you know, just sometimes I'm like, well, once a month, why, why aren't we here, all of us, praying? You know, just even if we don't pray out loud ourselves, why aren't we here agreeing, let's, let's see something done in God's community. I know people have co- commitments and those sorts of things, but, you know, the commitments are the things we make, they're, they're our decision. And I think it's a good decision to say, I'm going to commit once a month to prayer with my fellow church people. Um, this is no way a pressure thing, but I just want us to start thinking about that because we know that revivals start through prayer, right? Do we know that? That they don't just start because people weren't interested in God moving. They, they started because... The hearts of men and women that believed in Christ were warmed and there began a fire in their soul, just as that song was saying, that there's this, this burning desire that we just want to see God move. And God's tasked us to pray. That's one of the things that he's told us today, that we should pray at all times for all men. And that's what God has tasked us to do. Now, I'm not saying you have to be at a prayer meeting because that's, that's pointless. The have-tos of life aren't fun. But, but what about, can I start to think about, am I committing to this? Am I really committed to seeing God move? Am I brave enough to step out in faith and commit and say, you know what, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. So I just wanted you to think about that with prayer tomorrow night. Um, is that something that, that you could do? Just come along. 7.30. One hour. Big deal. <laughs> you know, like one hour, what's that? And it's different, you know. Like sometimes we don't know. We, we think we'll come along. Well, I don't know how to pray. We don't have to. But if you do, it's okay as well. There's no set thing um, of how we should pray. Jesus gave us a bit of an example with the Lord's Prayer, of course. But do you know what the Bible says about prayer? It's not the loudness I pray. It's not the eloquence that I pray. It's not the number of words I pray. It's not the time of day that I pray that gets anything done. It says it's a prayer of faith. Simple as that. Jesus displayed that so often. He just said... Storm, be still. And it's stilled. Be healed. They healed. He did it at different times of the day. Throughout his life, he just went around doing good and, and healing all those who were oppressed of the devil. There was no set time, no place, no hour that was better than any other. It was a prayer of faith. And sometimes we feel a little bit embarrassed because we don't pray as good as other people. How do you know? Because there's a God in heaven who looks at the heart. And who we think is praying well might be absolutely pathetic in God's sight. 
because they don't really believe anything that they're praying. But they sound so good. They sound so in it, but they're not really believing. And I just want to encourage you, don't hold back because you feel like I can't contribute. I'm not as good a prayer as other people. And, and to be honest, I find it really hard at prayer meetings because I'm always wanting to pray about everything. I'm just like, hold back, Neil. Put the reins on, buddy. Give someone else an opportunity. <laughs> but that's what we want, isn't it? That people, again, it's like this heart for Christ. What a fire in us, God. Can you help us to actually be the people that you want us to be? To pray, to to get involved, to think that revival is a possible thing. In fact, it's not just possible, it's inevitable when the people of God really pray that God would move. It's inevitable. So I just want to encourage you again to prayer meeting. Um, yeah, so this morning <laughs> for my message, um, I, I sort of had this thing in mind. There's a couple of things floating around my head. I'm like, will I do this message, that message? And I thought, oh, maybe I could do it like, you know, the write your own story. I'll come up here and say, everyone, put your hands up. You know, if you want me to preach on this or if you want me to preach on that. Um, and, and then I started to think, isn't it funny? Like, we could do that. And I don't know if you've ever been to a, a, a wedding or an event where they do that alternate drop or whatever. Or a restaurant where you look at the menu and you're like, mm, that sounds delicious. And you look at it and you're like, yeah, I want that. And then the other thing comes out and you're like, oh, I should have ordered that. Have you ever done that? <laughs> so it would have been fair to give both things first and then we vote on it. Um, yeah, I remember that, that alternate drop, I hate it. You know, like I remember sitting at the table and, you know, it's usually a chicken and beef or something like that. And of course, beef every time. Chicken, what's the point? It's like, it's a bird. <laughs> but, but you know how they, they hand it out, an alternate drop. And you're like, oh yeah, beauty, I'm right in the prime position, steak's coming here. And then you see like the maitre d' walk out and there's two waiters there and they start talking. Oh, something's gone wrong. And they're like, oh, I think we dropped off two steaks over there. Oh, we'll just give two chickens to that table. And it's like, here you go, here's a chicken. Um, that's happened to me. It's just not nice. <laughs> anyway... So in the end, and after like just hearing what was being said this morning and that, I sort of settled on um, a story that many Christians, all Christians probably would, would find familiar, which was the story of uh, the Israelites going into the promised land, or not going into the promised land to be more precise, leaving Egypt, slavery, led by Moses through the wilderness. Is that, oh, it's Isaac. Isaac. <laughs> oh wow, you got that wrong Alright, so they, they're going through the wilderness They come up to the promised land And Moses wants to send some spies into the promised land To check it out Can we go there? God's promised us this And, um, and the result we'll look at in a moment But have you ever read scriptures And something just sort of sticks in your mind And you're just like, that's a strange thing um, that, that scripture says that one of those scriptures for me is in Revelation, um, in, in chapter 21, it's verse 8. I'll just get, get that put up if I could. Um, you know, this is talking about a thing called the second death. We're not going to talk about that today. But that, just so you feel okay with this, it says those who believe in Jesus, aren't, that's not their lot in life. So it's not for you. 
But the word there that really struck me, like this is what it says, but cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshippers and all liars, their fate is in the fiery lake of burning soul, for this is the second death. And when I read that verse, the thing that jumped out at me was the first one. Does that, that sort of jump out to anyone else here? Why is cowards going there? What's that all about? That, that God's looking here and saying, you know, there's, there's a, a type of person who ends up with those other ones. Now, the other ones there will look at, yeah, I get that. Yeah, yeah, but cowards, why is that in there? And that word itself is an interesting word. It's, it, it's basically saying those that aren't believing in God, aren't believing in what God can do, aren't obtaining his promises, aren't believing in the completed work of Christ, which Isaac talked about this morning. That same word appears three times in the New Testament. The other two times from the same story, which is where Jesus was asleep in the boat and, and when the storm came and he chastised the disciples for their lack of faith. Um, he just said, you guys, you're in unbelief. And that same word is that word, cowards, unbelief. They didn't believe what God could do. And, and so I started to go, okay, so what that is saying is that when I actually don't believe God, that I'm drawing back from him, God is not pleased. Now, I'm not saying that every time that we as Christians move back from believing in what God has, done, what God has for us, that that is related to that, but that is definitely related to those that just do not believe in, in Christ's work, that they don't accept Christ into their life. They're not ready to do that. And so as people of God, the question that I ask is, do I really believe what God wants me to believe? Am I pull, pulling back from what God has for me? Am I actually a coward? Am I someone who won't push into the things of Christ because I'm afraid of something, someone, some opinion, some fa failure, whatever it might be, that knowing that it's a promise of God, I'm not just saying we do whatever we want and just go and do it, but the story that we're about to read in Numbers is talking about a people that God had brought out of slavery and promised them a land. You guys are going to enter into here. This is the promise that I'm giving you you need to go for it. Now, what happens is very interesting because there's such a change in the heart of the people and there's a difference between the heart of the people that spied out the land that changed the course of God's destiny for those that were there that day. In fact, the two spies that we're going to look at that entered into the promised land, only two, were the ones that believed and could see that God could do the impossible the rest of them, God said, righto, off you go, wander in the desert, I'm going to kill you all. By the time you actually enter into the promised land, you are all going to be dead. The problem is that those who believe God also had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. The promise that God had for them was delayed because of unbelief. And so it's important that as a church, as a people of God, that we believe together for things because when we have the, the, the other side of it, it disrupts what God has planned. And that's not good. We don't want to be wandering in the desert. Man, why would I want to wander in the desert when I can go into the promised land, which we're going to read about, which was amazing, today, for example? 
Why do I want to go and then wander in the desert for 40 years because of someone else? It seems really harsh and rough. And, and I look at even Moses himself like, that guy didn't get to enter into the promised land. He knew it wasn't going to happen because he was disobedient in one little area, striking a rock in the desert. And yet he still moved everyone else there. He was such a good man. I keep, as more and more I've read about Moses, the more I reflect how good he was. It was like, you know what? Hey, I'm not going to enter in. I know that, but let's, let's still go. The promises of God, they're going to be for you. They're going to be for your children and you're going to reach them. So I want to just read through that story and just have us to reflect on that. You know, what affects me in life? Because young people, teenagers, young 20s, there's a plan for you not to enter into the promises of God and your friends are the giants in your life. The ones who move you off your purpose because they are saying that you cannot do it, you cannot live that way, that's not how you live. There's giants in your land. There's giants in all of our land, isn't there? Things that we look at that we're afraid of, that are influencing us, that are not Christ-like at all. And God wants us to be bold. So this is Numbers uh, chapter 13, and we'll be reading a little bit of chapter 14 as well. fair bit of reading here. Okay, so the spies are being picked. The Israelites are on the River Jordan looking over into the promised land and going, we need to go in there. This is the land that God promised us. Moses grabs one person from each tribe. There's 12 tribes and he said, I want you guys to go in, spy it out. This is the story. So they went up and explored the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rehob near Lebo Hamath. Going north, they passed through the Negev and arrived at Hebron where... Ahaman, Sheshai, and Telmai, all descendants of Anak, lived. The ancient town of Hebron was founded seven years before the Egyptian city of Zoan. When they came to the valley of Eshkol, they cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes so large that it took two of them to carry it on a pole between them. They also brought back samples of the pomegranates and figs. That place was called the Valley of Eshkol, which means cluster, because of the cluster of grapes the Israelite men cut there. Excuse me. After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community that what they had seen and showed them the fruit that they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore. And it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. But the people living there are powerful. Their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev and the Hittites, Jebusites and Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once, take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we travelled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them we felt like grasshoppers and that was, that's what they thought too. Then the whole community began weeping aloud and they cried all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? 
Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Then they plotted among themselves, let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down on the ground before the whole community of Israel. Two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of Jephunneh, tore their clothing. They said to all the people of Israel, the land we travelled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It's a rich land flying with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord. Don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. The whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to all the Israelites at the tabernacle. And that story goes on, and, and the result is, as I said, that they didn't enter into the land because of unbelief. As I read through that story, I just see there's so many opportunities for people to believe in the Lord. But there seems to be more opportunity to not believe. And one of the biggest problems that they had was not that they couldn't win the battle because the Lord was with them. The biggest problem was that they began to believe something other than what God had for them. And this is the temptation that's always in our life, isn't it? That, that we hear a promise of God, we, we can see, hey, this is a God idea, this is what God wants me to do, this is what I see the future for God, for us, as a church, as a family, as individuals, whatever it might be. But there are strong voices in our ear. You see, the people would have just followed wherever they were meant to go, except for the fact that there was a stirring up by those who didn't believe, those who were against what God wanted them to do. The ones who had no faith were so strong in their influence, and this is how it normally works, is they go around telling everybody else it cannot be done. It's too scary. It's too big. These guys are giants in our sight. We're like grasshoppers to them. And, and also they think that of us as well. They think we're actually hopeless, weak, useless. And what happens is that our ears pick up on those things that are negative because we know it's so easy to do, don't we? Isn't it far easier not to do than try and fail or try and succeed? Isn't it far easier to hear a bad report and grab hold of that and begin to circulate that? I can see the problem here. There's no way we can do this. Let's make sure that we don't. And God was very, very unpleased, displeased with the people that day. So displeased that he said, you will not enter into the promises. And in the New Testament, there's another verse about that that says, they did not enter into the rest of God because of their unbelief. When we do not pursue the things that God has for us, guess what we don't enter into? Rest. We find ourselves continually struggling, striving, straining, even though we haven't pushed into the thing that seemed impossible, we're still not at peace. We're like, we could never do that. that we would be defeated, but because we don't push into that, we actually don't have any peace at all. We think that's the answer. We think that giving in to fear and doubt has to be the right way because the other is impossible. And it's going to take a bit of effort on my behalf. 
to actually believe what God has said. And I want you to question that in your own life today. Because I know there's people here and elsewhere, probably even standing on the stage right here today. That's me. (laughs) Who at times have known they've heard clearly the voice of God, you need to do something. You set out on the journey, but you find that it's difficult. There's other voices that come in. Oh, there's opposition. I don't like that. I thought, God, that if you told me to do something, that as soon as I stepped out into it, it would be like the Israelites stepping into the Red Sea. Ta-da! Here's your easy path. But there's times when each one of us has heard the word of God. We know exactly what he's asking us to do. We know exactly the promise that he wants us to go into. But we take a look at what's ahead of us and we're like, if I can find a problem, I will definitely find it because I need an excuse to not do what God has called me to do. If I can find that excuse... I can then justify it to myself and then begin to justify it to everyone else and they'll all be with me. Yeah, Neil, you're right. You shouldn't do that. I can see what you're saying. There is a lot of problems there. Wow, Neil, there's a giant you're going to face. Oh, Neil, there's a problem you're going to come across. Well, first of all, I've got to go across the river as a whole country. Well, it's, it's the time of flood in the Bible, it says, when the Israelites crossed into, the, into that promised land eventually. God never promised that what he has for you is going to be easy. In fact, the very moment that the Israelites stepped into the promised land, it said that the miracles stopped, basically. They still continued. But now they were meant to fight for what God had promised them. They had to change their mindset from that of a slave where I'm under control, I am bound and I cannot achieve anything to the sons of the free woman. And the free woman in the Bible is the woman of faith. The child of the woman is the child of faith. I just want to say, be bold, be courageous. There is no time to shrink back in the kingdom of God. There is no time to not move into God's promises. There is no time to not be brave. There is no time to fear and allow it to dominate your life. Satan knows your potential. Satan knows the end result of you following and being obedient to God. And if he can stop you, the best place to stop you is before you get there, isn't it? The Israelites were stopped because of a bad report. The words that some other people had spoken, they did not enter into the promised land. It was stopped before they entered in. And I wonder sometimes if that's the same with us. We just give up and quit. But you know what? As Isaac was talking this morning, he was saying, hey, lions, we're lions. 
<laughs> Not Brisbane lions. They don't even live in Australia. That's stupid. Is there lions in Brisbane? Come on. Because <laughs> they beat my team. Anyway. <laughs> Do you know what the Bible says about lions? What their character is? This is a verse. The righteous are as bold as lions. Man, that's what's in you guys. Because you're righteous. How come? You're righteous, as Isaac said this morning, it wasn't because you did something amazing for God. You're righteous because the blood of Jesus Christ washed away all your sin. Everything. He washed away the guilt, took it away, took away the shame of your past, of your past life. And sometimes we shrink back into this fear because we look at and regurgitate the things of our past. This is who I am. This is how I was. This is how I acted. I do not have the right to actually step into God's promises. But the Bible says the righteous are as bold as lions. We don't care. We're not going to shrink back because things are hard. We're not going to shrink back because we can see a giant. We're not going to shrink back because it's impossible. We're going to say, wait a minute. This is a promise of God. If he is for me, who can be against me? I am a man and a woman who has been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit, and given this amazing power of Christ living within me. I'm walking into the promise of God. I'm not saying anything about how big the giants are because as much as I feel like I'm a grasshopper now, my God is far bigger. And he said, let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor say I am rich. Let the lame say I can walk because of what the Lord has done for me. This is his power working, not ours. And when we grab hold of him... Nothing is impossible walking into his promises. Guys, can you believe that today? Can you believe it? At the moment you're sitting there going, oh yeah, that's true, but that's for someone else this morning. I don't think I'm able to do that. The thing is that you can. Not because of yourself but because you rely on God. And this is, this is the attitude of Caleb He's like, let's go in today, guys. Come on, let's do it. We're well able to take this land. Not a problem. You just heard the report, there's giants. Not a problem. Everyone else, not a problem. There's giants. They're grasshoppers. They're big, we're little. They can carry the grapes in one hand. We had to have a pole. But wouldn't that be good if that was the spirit of every man born again of the spirit of God? There's this courage inside of them that stirred them up to greater things, to greater works, to greater destinies than what they're in now because they're relying on the spirit of God. They're not afraid. They're not cowards. They're saying, you know what, we are well able to take the land. We're not going to say that God can't work in Darwin. We're not going to say that the school system's so broken that our kids are going to be pulled into all sorts of directions. We're going to say, you know what, we have to believe today. There's giants in this land. The education system, the way they want to do sex education, 
abortion, the way we live relationships, the fact that every kid has a mum and a dad and another dad and another mum and another one after that. There's giants here. But surely God's bigger than them. I'm saying it won't take work, no, because we have to get into that promised land. We've got to look, we've got to believe, we've got to pray, we've got to keep going, we've got to keep believing, we've got to keep sharing the gospel to those that are lost. Come on, church. You might not believe in yourself, but believe in God. He will change this anyway. And that was my other message, was about his presence getting into it. It's linked. If you don't know God, if you don't know God, forget it. You'll never believe it. And it seems to me that two people in that story, probably Moses and Aaron as well, of course, knew God. Believed him. Because somehow they had developed this relationship with God to know who he was. And maybe even today you're sitting there and you've never, ever given your heart to God, ever. Sitting there, man, my life, I don't know what to do. I'm stuck, I'm in sin, I'm, you know, I'm addicted. I feel so lost, I feel so depressed, I feel so lonely. They're giants that's in your life that need to be removed. The first step is this, get to know God. And the very first step is to ask him into your life. And today I'm going to pray right now and maybe you've never invited him into your life, I'm going to ask you to pray with me. A prayer that will ask him in today. You've heard the message this morning, Jesus died for you. How does it work? To be honest, I don't really know. All I know is that God said that he forgave my sin. And the day I prayed to him and said, come into my life, my life changed. I always loved him, but my life changed. I went from a person who just knew, knew about God, I did love him, to a person that now understood his presence in my life. That might be you this morning. Whatever it is you're holding on to, the things that seem so big in your life, they're nothing compared to him. He sent his son Jesus to die for you so that you could have a relationship with God so that you could become a lion. That you would become righteous not because of your own works, because you were so good And you did it all but because Jesus was so good and he carried it all for you. If that's you this morning, you need to invite him in. I just ask you to pray with me and just ask him into your life. And then after that, you ought to talk to the person you came with this morning if you came with someone. They're a Christian. They'll tell you how to live a Christian life. That's their job, to disciple you to grow you in faith. If you didn't come with anyone, please make sure you come and catch up with me and and just say, hey, I prayed that prayer with you this morning, mate. 
and we'll talk together and we'll say, hey, this is your next steps, but this is your first step. Invite him in. Let's pray now. If that's you, pray with me. Father God, I'm so sorry that I haven't been part of your life and you haven't been part of mine. This morning, I just want to say to you, I'm so sorry. I want you in my life. Please forgive me of my sin. Make me righteous this morning. And I pray right now that you just come into my life. I believe Jesus died for me. I believe he rose again from the dead. And I want you in my life from this day on. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want prayer for anything, guys, please come up the front. Maybe even this morning you're just like, you know, I do shrink back all the time. I know God's asking me to do something, but I just can't seem to do it. I'd love to just pray with you this morning and just pray that somehow there will be a breakthrough in the spiritual realm for you. That you might push through to the next level with God. And just while I'm here, I'm, I'm sorry to do this to you, Kitty. Um, this doesn't normally happen to me, but this morning I was just sitting there and in that last song and, and you're drumming. There's just something anointed about it, mate. It just hit my spirit. And I just want to encourage you to just keep pushing into God because he's got such amazing plans for you. Such amazing plans and don't regard the circumstances in your life. They're not important. What God has for you is far bigger than those things and his love for you is greater and he's just going to hold you in his arms and take you through.